Alright, at the end of your turn, I'm going to tap two swamps, two plains, a mountain, a forest, and two islands, and I'm going to put into play Hacker Public Radio. It is a legendary creature with flying, trample, and vigilance. Uh, Hacker Public Radio has the power and toughness equal to the total number of listeners in the audience. Also, I can pay one colorless and tap Hacker Public Radio for the ability to rock your socks. Mystic, and you? <laughs> well, you, my friends, would be listening to another fine edition of Hacker Public Radio. And today on Hacker Public Radio, we're going to be talking, or well, not we, I guess mostly I, since it's me in the microphone tonight. <laughs> and, uh, well, hey, since it's here, it's the microphone, me, and uh, a tasty beverage. <laughs> we shall remain anonymous. <laughs> For its own sake. Uh, but regardless, wow, man, like a second in and we're already off. Um, do I even like keep going with this? Yes, we are. All right, this this is just going to be a very informal episode, <laughs> clearly. But uh, so sit back, relax. Um, I'm going to smoke me some cigarettes and I'm going to drink me some tasty beverages. And uh, we're going to talk about some open source hardware. Because recently I say about a month and a half ago, I graduated from college, got me a little associate's degree in mechanical engineering technology. And uh, the program I went into was mechanical engineering technology and robotics. <laughs> really wish the degree said robotics because I really like robotics and that kind of stuff. Really, I enjoyed the entire program, covered PLCs, uh, digital circuits, but blah, blah, blah. We're already rambling again. And like, 50 seconds in. This is going to be a rough one, guys. Uh, yeah, everyone just clicked off the audio player. Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry, Enigma. Enigma's just going to take me off this fucking list. He says, man, edit your fucking shows. Jeebus. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say Jeebus. Now I'm going to have to redo this whole thing. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to leave it in because maybe this is funny and maybe it's annoying. Sorry if it's annoying. Alright, but uh, basically I'm really interested in open source hardware because I really enjoy hardware. I started out as kind of a computer guy, and as I progressed through uh, my computer knowledge, learning basically thanks to the community. So everybody listening, thank you, because you're the community. And uh, if it weren't for you, I would have never got involved in school and never actually made something of myself, as opposed to just being the rambling crazy guy. Now I'm the racing... What the, I'm the crazy rambling guy with a degree. So, yay. <laughs> and a bunch of student loans. But that's, uh, that's for another episode. But, um, really as I learned, um, 
more about computers and what was going on with technology and became more and more interested about the whole uh, hacker scene and stuff like that. I really found found myself more drawn to the hardware side of things. What's these what's inside these little magic boxes that's making, you know, the magic happen basically. And uh, you know, because that's the thing, you know, the better hardware, you can always do more things. Hardware comes locked down. You know, I I remember being amazed by finding out that you can, you know, change the firmware on some things, and then all of a sudden, you know, your hardware does completely new things. That concept blew my mind in the early days. So, um, continuing forward, basically, I'm really interested in. Uh, do-it-yourself hardware, DIY technology, uh, websites like Make and Instructables and all kinds of just everybody working on their own projects really gets me excited. Uh, the same thing with the Arduino uh, microcontroller. That's something that I've really been working on and probably should do a nice little epi- episode about. Um, somebody I'm spacing right now has already done an episode about microcontrollers, just kind of giving a little bit of what's going on. And it was a fairly good episode and helped me out, uh, just kind of piecing together some more about microcontrollers and stuff at the time. So, uh, But today, uh, instead of just talking about microcontrollers and all that, we're going to talk about something that you can do with microcontrollers that's really cool and fairly inexpensive and relatively easy to do. And whatever, five minutes into the show, we hit to the topic of the Open GPS Tracker. And the Open GPS Tracker is a really, really cool device. This is stopping right here. This is never going to hit the air. Nah, forget it. We're going to keep going. Okay, so uh, the Open GPS Tracker official website is uh, www.opengpstracker.org. We'll have links in the show notes for all the websites that I'm going to talk about in this episode. But basically, uh, what's going on with the Open GPS Tracker, and I'll give a little description uh, straight from their website. The Open GPS Tracker is a small device which plugs into a $20 prepaid mobile phone to make a GPS tracker. The tracker responds to text message commands, text motion, and sends you its exact position ready for Google Maps or your mapping software. The tracker firmware is open source and user customizable. So basically what's going on here? As you go out and you buy a um, the specific phone, which it's actually required, it's, it is a specific phone, not just a random uh, prepaid cell phone at this time. It's an AT&T Go phone. It is the Motorola C168i. Uh, it's basically a small, at the form, it looks like a little candy bar kind of cell phone. It's not a clamshell or anything, uh, but it's available at most big box stores. So anywhere that you would go and be able to buy a prepaid cell phone, you should be able to see the Motorola C168i. And this is the particular cell phone that you need because the developer has discovered that the headphone jack, which also, you know, pulls out the audio and yes, you would use for your headset you know, hands-free while you're talking on your prepaid cell phone, also doubles as the data port on this particular uh, prepaid cell phone. And it's also open, which means that the developer is able to, quote-unquote, poll the phone 
which means he's able to send it commands. That's what poll means. So he sends commands to the cell phone. And when he polls the cell phone, it makes the cell phone respond with whatever information that he's asked. And this way, he's able to, in his case, he uses a, an AVR microcontroller. The particular microcontroller is the, uh, <coughs> Excuse me, it's an Amtel AVR microcontroller. It's the AT Tiny 8420PU. PU, but it does not stink. <laughs> but uh, this particular micro- microcontroller is what they're using to interface with the phone. And on the other side of that is the actual GPS module. It is a. Uh, um, I don't know how you say that little acronym. It's the SIRF uh, Star 3. Sirf, Sirf, Sirf 3, Sirf Star 3, Surf, um, Surf Star 3. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, tasty beverages. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the SIRF Star 3 is one of the nicer GPS modules and it's capable of getting a fixed signal inside of a lot of buildings and other locations. Obviously, if you're inside a concrete parking garage or the steel building, you're probably not going to get too good a reception. So, but uh, basically what's going on is um, you're able to, from your cell phone, send a text message to the prepaid cell phone, which is then based on the text command that you sent it, is going to pull the GPS for information and then reply back to your original phone with the prepaid phone's location and speed if it's moving and stuff like that so uh, some of the initial ideas that they give from the uh, open gps tracker website is the concepts of a being able to track your car if it's stolen so if you walk out into the parking lot and somebody stole your car well if you got the gps tracker in your car all you really need to do is send a text message to that prepaid cell phone and it's going to text you back with the information of where it's at and also if it's moving. So you can wait until the vehicle stops moving and then have it send you its geospatial location, which is ready for Google Maps. You pop that into Google Maps. You call the cops and you say, yeah, uh, some dude just stole my car and they're at yada, yada, yada street. Uh, yeah, go take them to jail. Or if you're a little more Batman style, you go do it yourself. Because, you know, if you can make GPS trackers and track evildoers, well, you're one one step closer to, like, Spider-Man or Batman, uh, some kind of superhero. So, <laughs> but uh, other than the vigilante side, <laughs> I don't know how did we get into vigilante. I'm just really stoked about the new Batman movie. But before we go into that whole... um. Tasty beverage. Yeah. Alright. And so another um, potential application that they bring forth is the ability, say, whether you are a company, like, say, a small company, or you are a parent, 
say in this uh, particular application, we'll say you're a parent and you are interested to know your vehicle's information because you just let your uh, teenage child borrow the family car to go out because they recently got their license. So you, you've given them a night out on the town. A night out on the town. Oh, why don't you drink some more tasty beverage, guy? <laughs> and so you've given them a few restrictions to enjoy their night out on the town. One being that since you're a novice driver, please don't be driving fast. And two, don't get out on the interstate because, you know, we've not been out on the interstate yet, so we don't want you out there. So conveniently, you can set a quote-unquote speed limit in the GPS tracker so that any time that the GPS tracker exceeds a certain speed limit, it's sending you a text message to whatever cell phone you set up. Obviously, it's going to be your main cell phone, or it, can, it, it too can send to an email address. So you have the option of text or email responses. So in the email option, you could send a text message from any cell phone, and it would always go to the same email account. Or with the text message option, oh, good one. With the text message option, it would obviously always send to, what's well, not obvious, that's why I'm stating it. It would respond to the same text message. So that's one of the options that you set it up with is the uh, responder cell phone. So you can send text messages from any phone, but it's only going to reply to a set cell phone number or a set email address, which you can change at any time, assuming that you know the password and uh, the number of the prepaid cell phone. So, but assuming young teenage child is out and they decide to get on the interstate, Besides, you know, what mom and dad said, and, you know, all of a sudden you get a text message saying, or an email, saying, hey, John Q. Teenager is speeding, and they're actually going 70 miles an hour, and here is their GPS location, which you copy and paste into Google Maps, and wow, it looks like they're on the interstate. So you can give a nice uh, cell phone call to John Q. Teenager. <laughs> and would you kindly let them know that they need you to return to their official uh, home residence so that they can have their head bashed in or whatever proper response is. I don't know, seeing as how I'm childless, I don't know the proper response. So, uh, your mileage may vary. But so those are some of the uh, basic um, potential applications uh, from the OpenGPS tracker website. So basically, if you are interested in constructing this project, the most expensive thing out of the whole shebang, 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 uh, is the GPS module, which is $61.50 which I ordered from Mauser Electronics. Um, I ordered actually all the parts for the OpenGPS uh, tracker from Mauser, and after shipping and handling, it ran me about $94. But except for the GPS module, I got doubles of all the components, or more than double of all the components. 
So basically, um, let's see, other than the GPS module, you have uh, the microcontroller programmer, which is about $40, which I did not order from Mauser, and I'll jump back to that here in a minute. But uh, other than that, the most expensive component is the $20 prepaid cell phone. Everything else is um, under a dollar, uh, except for the actual microcontroller, which is $2.90. And uh, what is that? Um, it looks like the headphone jack for the phone is above a dollar and a header pin so but as I touched on before um, in order to actually um, it's actually very easy to solder together this project so basically if you have the basic ability to solder through whole components we're not talking about tiny 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 surface mount stuff or you know something you need ninja artistry soldering skills to be able to even think about attempting no 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 my friends this is something that you go down to radio shack or as we like to call it, Rat Shack. You go down to Rat Shack, you get your little proto board, which is a little brown board with a bunch of holes in it. And then you get all these components that you ordered from Mauser or whatever, DigiKey. Um, uh, geez, now I'm spacing on other online electronics places. But there's plenty of them out there. So wherever you decide to order your components from, you get these easily available components from whoever you want, uh, which cost me $94 after shipping and handling. And you put all this together on a proto board. And uh, one cool thing about having at least doubles of all your particular components is that A, if you mess up, no big deal. But B, I plan on making a breadboard version and then an actual proto board version so the breadboard version I'm actually uh, gonna be able to try to advance upon the idea maybe even try uh, swapping in an Arduino chip for the regular microcontroller to uh, emulate some of the same text commands or get the same functionality that's going on in the uh, AVR uh, was it uh, AT yeah AT tiny 8 84-20PU, which does not stink. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so basically, uh, with the protoboard, I could play around with different power supplies, stuff like that. One thing that I'm interested in seeing is if we couldn't throw in, say, like, uh, maybe like an 11 or a 9-volt solar panel. Uh, with a, well, no, okay, I take that back. You need an 11 volt solar panel and have that hooked up to a 9 volt battery, which is a rechargeable battery. And then, assuming you had sunny days and stuff like that, you could use that to power the microcontroller or such a device so you still have to worry about power in the phone so you might actually in reality in reality need two 11 volt solar panels but yeah with your two 11 volt solar panels or a 22 volt solar panel I don't know if these 
these particular voltages in solar panels even exist, but you could find a way to work it out or whatever. I'm just kind of rolling off the top of my head here, guys. But um, basically, um, if you had the ability to have, you know, at least 22 volts, you could use a regulator or whatever to tweak down your voltage. But you could be able to kind of basically slow this out into the wild or something like that. And an 11 volt solar panel, even two of them, is not going to be that large in size. It's probably going to be maybe a little bit bigger than the actual phone itself. Uh, maybe a little bit, you know, longer and a little bit wider, but obviously not thicker. So it's probably something that you could throw on the outside of the case or something like that. But uh, one thing that tweaks my interest heavily is other applications that you could use with the Open GPS Tracker. And the thing that gets me really excited about the project is not the fact that I could use the Open GPS Tracker to track my stolen car or track my teenager, but it's all the other applications that like just start rolling through my brain about what you could do with the Open GPS Tracker. And, uh, like, for me, one of the first things that kind of pop into my head about the Open GPS Tracker is, you know, this would be a fantastic application for, you know, little robots. Okay, so one of the things that I'm interested in, Tasty Beverage and robots, is the idea of making outside robots. Um, to get a little personal, one thing that... Um, my mother and I, that was kind of a bonding thing for us. My, myself and my mother really don't get along particularly well. But one of the things that we really bond and do grow close doing together is gardening. And uh, my mother's an avid gardener. She has flowers and all kinds of good stuff that she likes to do and it's something that we get out together and there's just there's no hate involved we just have a good time and everything kind of just drops while the gardening is going and one thing that I've always thought would be really cool is to have the ability to have a robot that assists you in your watering process because um, like say to jump back to uh, a commercial robotic application like the Roomba the Roomba itself kind of randomly moves around and vacuums your carpet. <coughs> Excuse me. But the Roomba itself is not going to be able to do all of your vacuuming work. It's meant as a small tool that helps you out through the week, so you just have to do less vacuuming. Not that you have to do zero vacuuming, but it decreases the overall amount of vacuuming that you need to do. Same kind of idea with uh, the little robot that's going to mosey around outside. And I think it'd be really cool to have a little robot that can navigate maybe using GPS, a uh, combination of vision sensors and RFID to use navigation to know where it's at. Uh, to know which plant is sitting in front of, and to be able to give it some water. You could throw in uh, real easy some soil sensors, which are cheap and easy to make, uh, which would monitor the, uh, so the pH 
uh, the soil and basically lets you know, hey, this particular plant needs water or this particular plant is a-okay and don't give it any water. So you could have a little little tank of water that, you know, the robot could go back to kind of like a, a pumping station or something and get filled up with water and then mosey around and give a little bit of water to the plants that needed water the most. Okay? And, you know, this clearly isn't going to do all the watering of plants for you, but it would allow, it would assist you in watering the plants and allow you to not necessarily worry about watering the plants every night. Because one thing that I've definitely learned as you continue to climb the ladder, you know, so to speak, and, you know, as you get, uh, you gain more skills and get different jobs and stuff like that, you know, you really find yourself competing for personal time, and when you do have personal time, it's very valuable to you, and so what you spend doing, you know, in your free time is crucial to you, so you don't want to waste all your free time doing meaningless tasks, and so if the small amount of free time that you have being a professional individual you know, you're having to water your obscene amount of plants that back in the day, you know, wasn't such a big task, but now you have less and less free time, and you have, you know, the same amount of plants that you can't get around to, so at least this way, the little robot could go around and save the ones that needed water the most, and thus keep your plants from dying. So that one day a week where you have excess free time, you can actually enjoy watering your plants and not feel guilty for killing your plants <laughs> because you didn't have the time to do the basic watering through the week. And, you know, using this process because, you know, most of the plants and stuff are outside, you know, you could hopefully have some solar panels on the little robot that's going to be charging the robot. So... Granted, it's not going to be able to be mobile 24-7, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to have to be constantly worried about, let's say, okay? I'll set up a, you know, a boundary perimeter based on a combination of RFID and other sensors to basically let it know this is the boundary area that it works inside of and set different locational spots of uh, plants and stuff like that inside that area. And then from there, the robot would know where to navigate as far as what plants were what based on different sensor responses and when to uh, recharge or refill his little water tank. Because that's one thing that you're going to keep in mind is that water weighs a certain amount of weight. And in order to transport that weight, you're going to need a motor that's capable of carrying X amount of weight, which is going to require X amount of power. So you're going to need a power source, which is capable of providing that. And you're going to need the ability to charge that power source. And with it being a little John Q uh, random robot that just rolls around in the backyard watering the plants, you know, I see a bunch of solar panels and stuff like that kind of branching out from it that are going to recharge the robot. So it's not constantly active, but as it drains its power source, you know, it sits in the sun and collects its power 
And you could even add in some uh, other small features, say, like, not necessarily AI per se, but the ability to, with um, some photo detectors, uh, some photo cell sensors, stuff like that, that uh, basically um, they're variable resistors that change uh, their amount of resistance based on the amount of light that hits them. So you could hook up some photo cells to the R. What or to whatever microcontroller that you were using as part of the brains of the robot, which I would use, and it probably would be an Arduino, seeing as how I'm on the Arduino quit. <laughs> the, Arduino, the Arduino kick at the moment. Wow. Tasty beverages make Arduino really hard to say. And at this moment, we're going to take a tasty beverage break because we're 20 something minutes. Oh, almost 30. I think we need a cigarette. So, but basically, you could have a a sunlight detector, for lack of a better word. You know, let's break it down. Photocell, photocell detector, photoresistor, or using these fancy words. Okay, sunlight detector. And basically, you're going to have a little photo cell. Uh, it, you know, it could look, um, you know, it could even look like a little LED. It, they come in different shapes and sizes. That's the neat thing about electronics and components. They come in all kinds of different shapes, sizes. You can get a lot, you can really build to your desire. But you could have the microcontroller register the the highest amounts of sunlight based on whatever area the little robot was moving around in. And then you could also set up a little call in the programming so that that's monitoring the battery power. Mm, good one. The battery power of the robot. So when I hit 20% or 10% or whatever the critical level is I'll know that whatever that critical level is I'll have enough battery power to wheel the little robot out to the brightest part of the yard and thus the robot can sit there and recharge and once I've you know the robot has recharged to an acceptable level of power it then begins the wiring process again and therefore you know you've got a little robot that just kind of is able to maintain on its own, and I've rambled on a long time about this. But this is just kind of one very small application of how you could apply the GPS tracker to, um, say, like a robotics application. And I went in depth in it because the Open GPS tracker allows you a cheap way to interface into whatever system you want to design it to interface into and to give you geospatial location, time location, you know, uh, movement rate, whether it be miles per hour, kilometers per hour, um, altitude. So you've got a lot of different various applications with a $20 prepaid cell phone and a $60 GPS module that, you know, you really all of a sudden have a whole lot of power in the do-it-yourself kind of arena. Um, a lot of these modules for doing GPS or wireless communication or even G GSM 
which would be your kind of cell phone development boards, are very expensive and can, you know, even go into hundreds of dollars. You know, these things don't come under three figures. You know, you're paying $100 or more, you know, usually more for these kind of things. So to be able to piece this together for a lot cheaper and free code is something that's very cool to me. And so a very big and very, very serious tip of the hat to the people at OpenGPSTracker.org because you guys are doing a bang-up job and there's a whole bunch of applications that I would like to try out with this. So, uh, let's see. About 30-something minutes into this Hacker Public Radio. Um, how's everybody doing out there? Everybody doing all right? Yeah? Y'all still listening? <laughs> Do you listening to me as a scene? Okay, so let's go a little bit more into the Open GPS Tracker. Um, the Open GPS Tracker itself has a lot of functionality built in. Um, the code that's running on the microcontroller, or that you flash onto the microcontroller, and uh, Oh, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me take a step and break it down. Because if you're still listening, then obviously you're interested. And I'm sorry that I'm not taking it more serious. But, um, <laughs> hey, it's Friday. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> Sometime. And, uh, but uh, whatever. We're being relaxed. <laughs> and informal. Obviously. Because I'm sitting outside, and you can probably hear all the bugs and the road noise. And Anyway, so basically when I say we're going to flash the chip, basically we're going to use that uh, microcontroller programmer, Ooh, which I never bounce back to, which is a good time to bounce back to that. But you're going to use that microcontroller programmer to load the code that you downloaded from the OpenGPS tracker website onto that microcontroller. And then from there, you've got a lot of different options and stuff that you can do with the GPS tracker. And it's very slick. They have, uh, they've set up a lot of different options. They have um, a couple different uh, tracking modes that are, that are more friendly or less friendly with power consumption. And they also have modes to detect when the GPS module has lost reception. Say you go into a parking garage or a tunnel or just basically any kind of area where you don't get GPS reception, the receiver will shut off and it will power down into a low power state until the point where, you know, it, the GPS begins to receive information again from satellites, then it'll power on the cell phone, sends you a text information, and thus you're not burning up battery life while you have no GPS reception. So, <laughs> wow, rambling. But you download all this firmware onto the microcontroller with the bootloader, which they call flashing a chip or flashing the ROM, because the microcontroller is, I guess, essentially a ROM, so I guess it's okay to say you're flashing the ROM, but you're flashing the chip regardless. And um, on the OpenGPS Tracker website, the OpenGPSTracker.org, 
or it's www.opengbstracker.org. If I haven't said it enough in this episode, uh, you can make a drinking game out of this episode. You just take a drink every time Morgellon says, Open GPS Tracker. Dude, you wouldn't make it past the first, like, 20 minutes. Um, but basically, uh, on their website, the, the microcontroller, uh, the programmer that they recommend you buy is the AVR ISP2 USB AVR programmer, which is kind of the standard AVR programmer. And it runs, they have the price quoted at $35.91, which is pretty close to right. I usually say about 40 bucks. But uh, Lady Ada, Lady Ada, um, if you're familiar with the Make Magazine or the Arduino chip, you're probably familiar with Lady Ada. Lady Ada has a nice AVR programmer, which is very inexpensive. It's about half the price. Um, she calls it the USB Tiny ISP, and it's an AVR programmer and SPI interface. Um the the AVR programmer that's forty dollars only has a six pin. Uh, it has the six pin standard AVR programming header, whereas the cheaper twenty two dollar programmer from Lady Ada has the six pin standard AVR programming header and it has the ten pin standard AVR programming header, which what does that mean? That means that you have the ability to uh, to flash or load code onto a wider range and spectrum of microcontroller chips. Um, the USB Tiny ISP is uh, compatible with most of the uh, AVR type uh, software um, like AVR Dude and AVR Studio. Um, it's going to work with Windows, Linux, and Mac OS X. So um, it's a cheap programmer. It's nice for a uh, backup programmer and stuff like that. So I've decided to go this route and save myself a little bit of money and also have um, – that's going to give me the ability to flash boot, you know, the bootloader of the Arduino onto other AT Mega 168s. So I'm excited about that as well and just I'm excited about the Arduino chips in general. But um, definitely – um, check out the Open GPS Tracker website. There's a lot of cool applications that you can do. And uh, if you've got a little bit of money laying around um, and you're interested in electronics, I highly, highly suggest you know you check this out. It's really something that's going to be easy to do, easy to put together uh, for a simple project, and you're really going to get a big bang for your buck. This is, you know, something that you can put together, and you're going to get more than a blinky LED or, you know, some kind of simple project. You're actually going to get something that has a large range of functionality, and it's going to get you very excited about the world of electronics, which you should be. Because you know what, buddy? Electronics rock. Like, um, yeah. Hmm. And, uh, tasty beverages. Mm-hmm. 
so thanks for listening to this horrible episode of Hacker Public Radio. Hopefully, um, I've managed to get you interested into Hacker Public. <laughs> hopefully, I've managed to entertain you on some level. And additionally, hopefully, I've managed to interest you into the Open GPS Tracker or maybe open source hardware or maybe electronics in general. Uh, one thing that I'm planning on doing is, if you're still listening at this point, you're interested. So I plan on making the Open GPS Tracker myself, as I've already mentioned. I have all the components for the Open GPS Tracker um, sitting at my house, ready to go, minus the actual uh, programmer, which is in the mail and on its way. So one thing I plan to do is literally document my entire build process. So I'm going to take pictures and videotape all the work that I do as far as putting together the Open GPS tracker. I'm going to put it together on the breadboard first, get, you know, verify that it all works the way it should, and then I'm going to put it together on a protoboard. And I plan on documenting all this. So if you're wondering what I'm rambling on about, um, I have a website. I have a blog. Um, it's at infodemon.com. And it's, uh, it's, it's much less rambling. Uh, perhaps a better grammar than this episode. But you can find it at infodemon.com. And that's infodemon.com or infodemon.com. However you prefer to pronounce it. Because that's how I roll. <laughs> we love freedom here. Yay, freedom. But um, at my blog, I plan on posting all the work that I do with the Open GPS Tracker. Uh, I'm going to upload video to YouTube, have it available from my website to download in a better, higher quality. And basically really get involved with this project and attempt to expand upon it. So hopefully in the future we'll have more episodes of Hacker Public Radio talking about the Open GPS Tracker and make a little bit more sense and have a little bit more to build upon it because I've actually been able to get it going. So thanks again for listening, guys. Um, yeah, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have had a fun time listening to me ramble on. Um, I really enjoyed doing this episode. Um, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, like I say as always, <laughs> remember, there's going to be somebody completely different here tomorrow. So, <laughs> you guys uh, take it easy. And we'll see you around. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.